Welcome to the Brighter Skies podcast with Gary Ware. This podcast is to inspire everyone to become the person they're meant to be, to take action and to realise life doesn't always go to plan. Gary will be speaking to successful entrepreneurs who will share the good, the bad and the ugly of building business and what to do to keep moving. Having left school with just two GCSEs, he achieved his aspiration to be a manager on the Red Arrows. Gary is all about assisting others to grow whilst he is now embarking on his next adventure. We will bring you inspiration with a dose of true insight and reality. Let's grow stronger together by learning from the journeys of the successful and knowing that there are always brighter skies ahead. Okay, welcome everybody and welcome to the next episode of the Brighter Skies podcast. Today we've got Rich Stone, he's an entrepreneur, public speaker, construction company owner, property investor and a coach and a mentor. Uh, Thank you for being on my show, Rich. Thank you for the invitation. Well, it was uh, inevitable. Um, you're a, a very, very interesting chap, one that I've been watching for a while and one that I aspire to sort of follow um, with the way that you, you do things and in, in particular, the way that you, you look at your own mindset and improve yourself. So, yeah, thank you for coming on. So I wondered if you, you'd like to open up and, and just talk to us about how you got into the industry or your journey if you like that word, I know a lot of people don't, but your journey into becoming an entrepreneur, where did it all start? My journey into being an entrepreneur, well, I, I, yeah, I totally know what you mean about the word journey. Um, so my journey into entrepreneurism um, came was born probably out of my love of construction, um, which started when I was five years old. And it wasn't a very long journey because I just stepped out the back door and got on with digging his foot in with my dad. Um, on an extension he was doing so that was how I sort of got into construction um in the beginning um I moved house when I was 11 um moved to the other end of the country um and I got a job in a pub and then I I the only advice that my parents gave me was turn up be on time and work hard and be reliable so that's what I did. You know, I was 11, you know, we'd not had careers education at school at that point. Not that it was really worth a lot. Um, and so that's what I did. I was just, I was always on time. I was always, like, if, whenever I'd finished what I was doing, I would say, right, what's next? What are we doing next? Um, and that sort of set me apart from the two people that had done that job before, really. Um, so I got offered extra shifts. Um, the landlord's son had got a landscaping company. Um, and I used to go and do like labouring with him like after school, um, weekends and some days when I was when I was actually meant to be at school, because um, the thought of forty quid in my hand was better than a day in a classroom. <laughs> and um, from the age of eleven, yeah, from the age of eleven. So, wow. so yeah, I was doing that. When I wasn't doing that, I um, I wanted to get. So when I worked in the pub, I used to get given all the beer towels, and I almost had enough. For this, quite a funny story actually. I almost had enough to make myself a beanbag but not quite enough. And the landlord hadn't got any more. And he said, well, go down to the transport cafe and have a chat with Steve and I'm sure he'll sort you some out. So anyway, so I cycled to like the other end of the village, which was about, I don't know, three miles or so. And um, 
I was stood at the entrance, hold, propping up my, my little like, second-hand beer mix that I'd got. And I was like building up the courage to go and speak to this guy because I was still a little bit like nervous, being like 11, and I've got to like, cross this massive truck car park. And um, he came, he sort of sh- he whistled at me and went, Oi, boy, come here. What do you want? Do you want a job? I was like, what do you mean do I want a job? And my ears just pricked up. And I, the, the word that went through my head was opportunity. And I said, what, what's the job? He went, back in these bloody lorries in. I need to get more lorries in these car parts, make more money for the charity. I was like, what do I do? And he went, just back the lorries in, you'll work it out. I've seen you in the pub. And I've heard about you. So I was like, okay, I'd never like back to Lorraine. I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Massive, massively sort of chucked in the deep end. But I worked out that as long as there was enough gap between the lorries so that they could get their cab doors open without fighting each other, then that was probably good enough. And on the first night, I managed to get about 25% more lorries in than he'd got previously with him doing it himself. So he gave me the job. I didn't. Nice. I didn't get any beer towels, but I did get twelve quid for three hours' work. Pretty so good. Was, well, it was pretty good in. Pretty what good was when that? you. That was when you were young that lad. Was, what was that? That was um, uh, mid nineteen eighties. That was wow. mid to late nineteen eighties. So yeah. To start uh, um, Yeah. Oh yeah. Massively. Um, and I used to muck out people's horses and yeah, wash cars. I'd do anything. I was murdered around a pound note, as my nan used to say. I would do anything for money. Well, not quite, but <laughs> far off. And I think my kind of like, my relationship for money with money was that I could see opportunity, but also I got bullied quite a lot. And by earning money, it meant I could pay off the bullies. So I kind of had like a dual sort of level of like the depth of my relationship with money was more than just superficial, if that makes sense. So I just, yeah, I loved, I loved working. I just, I loved the... I love the respect of you got from just working hard. I love the the being part of a team. I love the fact that I meant I got to sort of placate and pay off the bullies. And I I used to go get to go into Bristol and like buy like your bit of designer clothes and that. So yeah, I loved it. It was it was cool. The, I hope the karma's got the bullies. Um, I really do. But yeah, it sounds good. It sounds like you've obviously started early, and I can see it's totally understandable seeing your work ethic right now and and then hearing these stories i'm not surprised um you, you seem to have done really well and you you've just continued to go from strength to strength yeah it's it's i mean we started off talking about mindset and you know yeah there's been some massive massive achievements i mean to get headhunted to be md of someone else's firm before i was 30 was huge um, to be like operators, to go from site manager to operations manager and treble my salary in five years was like absolutely massive. But did you have did you have it, any formal education for that, or did you just jump into it? No, so I joined as a I put myself through college um, and did and what they call an ONC HNC, um, and then I, I started applying for jobs. I, I, this kind of like it was like one of my second it was my second kind of like informal mentor, if you like. And he said to me, what are you doing, Stone? He's just digging holes all day. He went, you're putting yourself through college. You need to like, you need to use what you're getting. Otherwise, it's pointless. And it's kind of like, like nowadays, they have this kind of like phrase about shelf education. Well, it was kind of, the, it was like the 1990s version of that. I was putting myself through college and not using the knowledge that I've got. So I sent my CV off. I went and saw a recruitment consultant because I didn't even know what one of them was. I didn't even know what a CV was. 
So I sort of ticked all them boxes, got all that bit squared away with the help of this mentor and then spoke to this recruitment company and they put me forward for four interviews. And I turned up for the first one and I was late because there was a massive car accident on the M25. And even though I'd left like three hours time, it was like, it took me four hours to get there. I ended up getting interviewed by someone different to the person that was meant to interview me. Um, and before I'd left the building, they'd offered me the job. Wow. Uh, my first interview. And I was... Do you know, like I, perfect, you know perfect interview, isn't it, really? Getting offered the job before you left the building. Yeah, I didn't... I'd not, I didn't really have any interview experience, to be honest. I didn't really know what to expect. I knew, like, I knew what the crack was, that I'd obviously got other offers lined up. But something... Something in the dynamic of them offering me a job, which I took... I took from that that they saw something in me and they were willing to back me and were willing to take a gamble on me. I saw that as a massive, massive like leap of them putting their courage in, in me and their faith in me. And I think that's what I mean. That's why I took the job. Um, and I'll never forget phoning my mum or going around to see my mum, actually, not phoning her, to go and see her. And um, she went, I'll give it a week. She went, this quite last. <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. Parents, anyway, right? I mean, that was, do you know what, though? That was the best thing that she could have ever said because that that fuel was what fired me for for 10 years to to get to operations manager level. It's strange, isn't it, what the, the little things that people say or do or the way that they look at you that then inspires you to do more, motivates you to, to just prove Oh, yeah, yourself. massively. Motivation can come from anywhere. It can come from within. It can come from external influences. It can come through challenge over adversity. It can come through through like, trauma. It can come from all manner of different things. People's, people take inspiration and motivation from a whole host of different things. Yeah, do you, do you think it's fair to say then that listening to where you've, you've just described, where you've come from as a, as a child, and then you've gone through and then you got the inspiration and motivation from, was it your former manager who told you to put in, put to use what you'd learned mm, in college? I think, yeah, I think a few different things. I think when we were, when I was 11, we moved, no, sorry, when I was 13, we moved from Buckingham, from Bristol to Buckinghamshire. Um, and I became really friendly with one of our neighbours. Um, and I painted the out, like all the joinery on the outside of my mum and dad's house. And he saw what I was doing and he got me loads of work and we ended up becoming like quite good friends. And um, he was self-employed. He'd been a police officer in the Met and he'd come out to become a driving instructor. And he said to me, don't ever go and work for someone else. You're just, you're building someone else's dream if you do that. You're destined for like better better stuff than that. And and when I was working for other people in a PAYE job, like that that memory and let him saying that, because he's, he, um, he's not around anymore. So that memory of what he said would quite often come back and it didn't haunt me. But I always felt like I wasn't being true to that statement. Yeah, I hear you with that one. It's nice, isn't it, to have have a prompt from somebody yeah, that's, massively. That, that's laid a little seed in, in the back of your mind. Yeah, undoubtedly. And you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's been there have been some really big moments of like, wow, really huge success. But you know, it's like anything, it's like yin and yang, you know, you can't have one without the other. And there's been some pretty epic car crash style flat spins as well. That yeah. have, um, you know, some have been like a couple of hours, others have been like six months. Well, which is just life, isn't it? Sometimes you can't control certain bits in life that can, yeah, yeah, that can exactly. Yeah. Control's an illusion. 
Anyone who believes they control anything is is, is nuts. <laughs> you can try but, to control it. You can try yeah, massive things in place, can't you? But there's always yep, going to be something exactly. that comes out there. Yeah. You can have the best reason to change. Exactly. That do you know what that is the best thing that you can do is learn to be adaptable, flexible, and have 360 degree vision in terms of your risk management. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. You've got to put steps in place um in your yourself, understanding how you how you operate to then allow you to adapt to change and and react to certain situations. Yeah, exactly. But you've also you've got to be like super conscious. Of, of who you who you are first of all how you turn up every day and how you actually present yourself to the outside world but by the same token you need to be really really hyper focused on other people around you and actually how are they showing up how are they turning up because the absolute worst thing that you can do and i know this from bitter experience is to miss and drop the ball and miss that someone else needs you yeah it's Letting people down is is not very good, is it? No. Um, as well as letting yourself down, that can that can factor in so many different ways, and the way that you interpret things in life, and the way that you can demotivate yourself as well. Yeah, massively. And do do, do you think that's <clears throat> because you've been the way that you've operated through your life, um, going from strength to strength, and, and understanding this? Do you think? Do you think it was always inevitable that you were going to continue down that path and, and look at self-improvement? Uh, yeah, ultimately, I think so. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's it's something that I've been interested in. I mean, I've, for probably as far back as I can remember, I've always had like, an ambition to do um, an A-level in psychology to understand more about who we are and how we work. Um, and it's... It's no longer such a burning sort of passion to do that because through the work I'm doing with coaching and like the NLP world and all of the stuff that I'm doing with like brain mapping and all that kind of stuff, I'm I'm getting the answers to the questions that I had but at a much deeper level and it's a much greater level of understanding than you would ever get in just a classroom following a syllabus. Yeah, Because I, I, I just find it absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I totally agree. You can, it's, it's it's like the common sense thing. You can be the most academically qualified, but you might not have any common sense. And then you might oh, with, with loads of common sense that can progress so much faster because they understand yep. the way that they operate and the way that things are around the world uh, that allows them to to operate fast. Yeah. That, it's I mean, adapting to change, isn't it? It's, ad it's adapting to change, but it's having, it's having, you know, it's having the common sense, it's having the street savvy, it's having the guile to work out what actually needs to happen for the cogs of whatever is in your world to move in the direction and the speed that you want them to move. At. And that's different for everybody. And anybody that can get the fast track to that is absolutely in the in the fast lane to success. And you know that is why I love masterclass environments i mean don't get me wrong i've got some amazing mentors which you know i would never want to put down the work that they do because i would not have achieved what i have without them but for me i would rather have a masterclass environment any day of the week because you can learn so much from other people's experiences but for me it's equally as important to be able to support others by sharing the experiences that i've gone through in the hope that somebody might actually take one nugget away from that 
and actually it helps and it improves them. So, because it's, you know, we're here as, as human beings, we need to remember we should be here to serve other people. Yeah, and, and I can I can say that I have learned a lot from you. So we've chatted many times, um, listening to you with the construction firm, listening to the way that you do coaching, mentoring, um, also listening to the way that you just like present yourself in life and want to improve yourself and that you're an action taker. So I can 100% agree and, and say that you are giving back um, and that you you do give a lot. Um, so especially coaching and mentoring, it's it's phenomenal because you, you're putting into practice everything that you've learned and you've, I mean, how many coaches and mentors have you had? Um, in total, 11. Flipping heck, that's uh, more than I expected. Have uh, of, of all of them added value? Have all of them added value? Yes, but in lots of different ways. So some of them have been for a reason. Some of them have been for a season. And some of them are actually, will be with me for my lifetime. And they're, they're, they're all very different relationships. Some of them, those relationships, by the way, are probably not necessarily what I actually thought they would be when I sat down with them at the beginning. To caught you by surprise. Yeah, there's people, there's people that I've worked with on a specific, a specific piece of work that I've now that I've gone on and done half a dozen other projects with. To the point that I actually actively think of things that I can actually do so that I can actually work with that person going forward because I value the time that, that I value what that person can put forward in the time that we have when we work together. So yeah, massively. And, you know, in my relationship with every coach is different. We talk about different stuff. Um, they're all at different points in their life. They've all got different experiences. Um, some are, some are talking the talk because they've done it. Some are talking it from a theory and textbook point of view. Um, the broad, I mean, the, the bigger, broader spectrum of opinion that you can have, so long as that opinion is qualified, the better decision you can make. The challenge comes, though, when you get conflicting advice and you have to then work it out and unpack it for yourself. Um, and there's a really good example of that when I... So I was in a master, business mastermind in Ireland um, and we had a three-day retreat a couple about three years ago, I think, now, maybe a bit longer. Um, and so the... the it was like a hot seat sort of situation. So you sit down, go through, talk about your business, talk about what you want to work on, um, get some answers and some support with what you want to work on. Then you go back to a seat around the table and you listen to other people and you support other people. Um, and I got absolutely unpacked. I did a really good presentation. It was kind of, it was almost like a bit like Dragon's Den. You had like 15, 20 minutes to do a pitch, which wasn't really a pitch. It was just an explanation of where you were at. Um, followed by some questioning um, and the first round was fine that was with my peers and then my coach or the coach mentor um, barked at me to sit down um, and I just it was yeah I'm not going to go into too much detail because it's something that I cover in my TED talk but yeah it was um, it was an interesting conversation um, that paved the way for me to make some changes let's say um, and then so when I came back I actually uh, booked an appointment to go and see a counsellor. And oh, really? on the e yeah, and on the eve of doing that appointment, I don't know, I don't even know if I'm really, really honest. I don't know where the idea came from. Um, but I decided that if I wanted to stick my head, one of the things that I'd been called out for was having an unwillingness to stick my head above a parapet because I'd had to close a company in Liverpool and put about 300 people out of work. 
um, which was a, an, uh, you know, I'd only been the boss for three weeks. It was not like it was nothing I'd done. It had been built up over years. So I had this fear of putting my head above the parapet, and I thought, well, what better way to overcome that fear than go, to go on social media and put a video out there saying that I'm going to go see a counsellor tomorrow because my head's a mess. So, so I recorded a video, that ninety second video, I think it was, basically just say, sort of saying that I was I was reasonably emotional about it. Um, because obviously my head wasn't in the best place at the time, which didn't help. Um, so I recorded this video. I sent it to a guy that I was working with at the time, um, who I still work with today, although we now work on specific project pieces rather than weekly coaching. Um, and his words were, do me a favour, reset your social media passwords to password one and uh, tell me when you've done it. So I was like, what are you talking about? He went, just tell me when you've done it. I was like, okay. So what he meant was don't post this on social media. So I spoke to my mum and told her what I was going to do. And she said that I was crackers and that that absolutely the last thing I should ever do was to post this video. I spoke to a lady who um, was massive in the property management industry who was really supportive and said, look, if you can do this, it would be a really good thing for you to do because you might actually help someone. And then I spoke to my son who lives with my ex-wife, who was 16 at the time, um, who was just like in bits. He was like, Dad, you will never do anything that will make me prouder than if you do this. And I was, at that point, I knew what I had to do. So the following morning, I um, I redid the video to make it a little bit shorter because it was it, it didn't want to upload. Um, so I re-recorded the video, but it was exactly the same. Um, and posted it and it was about I don't know like 10 to 6 something like that in the morning and by so I sat in the office I posted in the office sat in the office at home posted it um, and Gemma came down at about 7 o'clock and she was like are you okay she was like yeah she said you've done have you, have you done your post and I was like yeah yeah I said look at this and she I just passed on my phone and the messages that I'd had privately people that had said like and I'm not I won't go into too much details but basically saying that by seeing my post they were either now gonna go and talk to somebody that they thought might be in crisis or in the case of a number of them actually they it given them the courage to actually go and get some help. Wow that is um, that is strange all, all she said to me was your day's done your work is done if you do nothing else today what a massive achievement. And and I know from that minute on that whilst yes, it would be it would be very hard and, and it and it continues to be hard, you know. It's not I don't personally find it that easy being in front of a camera. Um but I know that it that sometimes some of the stuff that I talk about helps other people and that's why I do it. Yeah, that's that's really good. That's that's absolutely exceptional. Just listening to the way that you've you've done that and you got a bit emotional about it and you had the family and you had the ability to go out and, and just reach out and chat to so many people and get their opinion and then still go and post it and then help so many people. That mate, that's really good. That's amazing. Uh, and it shows you as that's the reason that I like you so much uh, and that I follow what you're doing. Is because yeah, of the way was, that you give out to people and, and allow them to grow and always there to give them time and assist. Yeah, them. I, I try my best. 
It was weird. I must admit, the next day I got a call from um, the guy that was coaching me, Andy Rivers, who's um, I've got a lot of time for. I've got a lot of love for. Um, and he apologised and said he got it wrong. Really? And and uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really. And he also said that he, he apologised and said that not only had he got it wrong, but it had actually helped him and taught him that actually he, he himself has got an age bias. And he was like, thank you, because you've called out my age bias without even knowing it, because people of my generation just would not talk about mental health. But by you doing that, you've actually made me realise something. So, you know, it did, it, you know, people took different things away from it at different levels, but... No, he had the minerals to pick the phone up and talk to me. And um, and then we went out for breakfast the day after and he gave me a big hug because it was pre-COVID when people could actually show show a bit of, uh, be tactile. Um, and um, yeah, do you know what? It was probably the best thing that he could have ever done because it, it just, it gave, like, I don't ever want to be just surrounded by yes people and I do not want to live my life in an echo chamber. Having people that question like what you're doing and, and make you think about stuff is really, really healthy. So like he did what he, what he chose, what he felt was right. And, and I applaud him for that because he, he stood by what he felt. But then when he realized he was wrong, he had the balls to actually admit it and say that I got it wrong. And that's really important. It's nice that he's apologized. Yeah. And it is really important. That's really good. And it, it's nice to listening to that full story that you got told not to stick your head above the parapet. Or even going before that, mm. you told stick your head above the parapet. Yeah, that then led you to write an emotional uh, and record an emotional little message. That then you got told don't stick your head above the parapet. You then listened to everybody else and you did it, and and the outcome was really good. It's phenomenal, mate. It really is, and it's good. It's gone full circle that people have got things from this, and and obviously yourself. It's helped you out massively. Yeah, and like there's two people that that sent me a message on that day that one was a second degree connection I'd never met. Um, and the other one was a third degree connection. I'd never ever seen their profile before. Um, and I, and we're now first degree connections and we speak every week. Yeah. Amazing. That is really good. So, yeah. It shows you the, yeah. the power of, of, of social media and the, and the power of asking for help. Yeah, and, absolutely. And getting yeah. that help. As but well as helping others. Yeah, it's it's also important to recognise that not everybody, you know, it does take courage. Not everybody has got the courage to be able to do that. And as somebody quite rightly pointed out, I am, I I have to remind myself that even in the darkest of hours, I still operating from a position of luxury where I don't have a boss. So if I if I go back to when I was a senior manager in a business, I would have to. I would have to have thought or at least contemplated was my message that I was going to put out, was that true to my personal brand? And was, but, but as importantly and more importantly, how did that fit with the brand values of the business that I was working at at the time? Now, I don't have to do that anymore because my business values are my personal values. They are one and the same. They may change in order of priority, which they do because I sit down with, with that, we're actually with that same coach. I sit down every year with him. I've got a meeting with him in a couple of weeks' time to go through and look at actually where my values are at today and what is order of priority because I only But somebody who worked in a job in a company in in low or whatever position they might be in, 
would they be able to speak so freely on social media? I think probably not. No, you're probably right. I, I think you've, you've shown a lot of courage there. Um, I certainly wouldn't have done that. I know I should have done that if I was in that position, but I don't think I'd, I'd have the courage to do it. Do you think? Do you think that doing that that's allowed you to lay the foundations um, and allow you to build on the courage to then again work on your own mindset going forward? Um, yes, quite. I think probably. I think the fact that you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, there is other stuff that I that I have talked about. There's other stuff that I could talk about. Um, but yeah, I think you know, my, I do. I do wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm, you know, I'm quite an emotional person. Um, I make no bones about that. People either love it or hate it. If you love it, great. If you hate it, that's fine. You're not my kind of person. But do you know what? It takes the world takes all sorts. I think by doing that, I kind of. My kind of, my version of accountability is proper, proper hardcore. So to give you an example of that, I had a massive fear of public speaking. Like, absolutely hated it. I couldn't, I really struggled with it. Um, I could I could go and deliver a slide deck to win a tender, no problem at all. And, you know, I, I was one of a city management team in a small contracting business that turned over 25 million, we used to regularly be pitching against companies that turned over three, 400 million and winning as well, not just pitching and losing. We used to win a lot, a lot of work. We were really successful. Um, I, 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 had the, I always, always had this massive fear about it. And the last company I worked at that was owned by someone other than us as a family, I sat down... Um, I, I, I was taken on to as operations manager with a view to becoming MD within a year. And I sat down after six months with the boss um, for a PDP. Um, and the only thing that was was an issue, which I called out, was my fear of public speaking. Um, and he said to me, well, there's, there's a book group in the local town that every Thursday night read read a book. And like you read it and then you sit and talk about it. So you read it during the week and then you turn up at this meeting and you talk about the book you've read. I just looked at him and went, if you fucking think I'm sitting below the blue rinses talking about Jackie Collins, think again. And then the next the next week, literally, I think that was probably on like the Thursday, like the Tuesday of the following week, I was at the National Housing Maintenance Forum um, meeting in London. Um, and they were talking about wanting to do a presentation at the National Conference in Birmingham at the NEC, which is a massive, massive event, big audiences. Um, and they wanted four people to to put this slide deck together and then deliver it. And I don't know what happened, but I, I had this like involuntary body movement where my arm just went straight up like a rocket. <laughs> and um, I now know if that's my way of creating hardcore accountability. It's like, what is the biggest thing that I can actually put myself on offer for publicly? Right, I can't get out of it now. I've got to do it. And that was when I started. That was four years ago now, three, four years ago. And that was when I got my first mindset coach. <laughs> so you just, just throw yourself in um, to the point where you can't yeah, back yeah, out. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like massively. Yeah, mate. I, yeah, you've heard of the saying balls deep. I was way beyond balls deep. <laughs> yeah. Up to him there. So I was literally, oh, yeah, I was. Yeah. 
massively. Like, I mean, my mum used to say to me, she always had this saying that you can't talk your way out of this one. If I got caught in trouble, <coughs> my mum or my nan would go, you can't talk your way out of this. And that's my mantra. You can talk your way out of anything if you had the right training by Tony Gargan. <laughs> so, yeah, so I put myself up for it. And then I, we were on holiday at Centre Parks and the kids had gone to bed. Me and Gemma were sitting in front of the fire in this boathouse chatting. And she was like, what are we going to do about this talk? How are you going to do it? Um, and actually, the guy that, um, that I first worked with um, was a friend of Gemma's. It was someone that she'd worked with in the police. He's one of the top UK hostage negotiators. Um, his communication skill set is like off the scale. I mean, he, he gets brought in to rescue failed um, business deals. When people want to go and buy a business and it's not they're not getting the deal they want, they bring this guy in to sort out of communication and get him the deal. And he just gets in the, the back of somebody's head yeah. and makes them yeah, want to do the deal. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, if if you imagine trying to negotiate with somebody that's that's either a hostage or a, a hostage taker that you don't know, and you've got literally minutes to to get, to get to know them, to build trust and build rapport, and someone's life is at stake, can you imagine how heightened your sense of communication and your depth for your communication skills are have to be to do that? And clarity of thinking. How can yeah, exactly, it, it just yeah. boggles me? Um, that situation being as intense yeah, as it must be that you've got to clear clearly think and then clearly mm. communicate to stop them from doing whatever they're going to do yeah yeah, yeah. i mean his 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 skill set is like off the scale and i mean i don't work with him every week anymore but we do still work together sometimes um and we do like we do I mean, not a week goes by that we don't speak to her three times um and we've got because there's a couple of things that we're looking at doing potentially business-wise in the future so that would be good um so yeah, that was kind of so I did I worked with him for probably about probably about five probably four or five months um while we were building out the slide deck. Um one of the guys pulled out and literally at ten to eleven the night before. Um so we had to redo all the slides. I had to then deliver a whole new slide deck. Um and on the day when we did it, it went really well. We ended up instead of having an audience of fifty, we had two hundred and fifty people in the room. And the feedback was really, really positive. So, yeah. And then probably within a matter of weeks um, after that, it was pretty apparent that there wasn't space within the business for me and the current managing director. So I left and we set up some contracts. Wow. And the rest so, is history, as they say. Yeah. So we set that up. We've set up. Um, we are currently restructuring. We're going to look. We're going to um, change how we do stuff, and we're going to bring it into a group structure so that it's um, because there's so many. When we set it up, we were just going to do contracting, but there's so many kind of. We, you know, I hate the phrase "fingers in pies" because it implies kind. Of, there's always it's always got like a sense of dishonesty to it, and it's not at all. It's just we've got like loads of different diverse income streams, um, and that's only going to increase. So we are restructuring, and we're going to um, launch a group of businesses that. Um, we're going to use as the vehicle for delivering those alternative services so yeah lots going on lots sounds of lots like it sounds good it sounds um yeah very promising and exciting yeah it's it's it, it is massive it's massively i mean it's but it's about it's about keeping it in check and i mean one of the things that i've learned through like the the kind of like the additional now the additional levels of coaching that I've sort of gone on to and the levels that I'm now working at is that 
you, it's great having an amazing career and it's great being really driven and motivated, but there's no point if if you're like if your lane is going at a thousand miles an hour and other people in your family's lane is going at ten miles an hour, that just does not work. No. Because it just causes yeah, it just causes conflict, it causes upset, resentment. So you've got to work out ways that you can actually try and get everybody on the same page. Even if they're not all moving at the same pace, they're moving at like a relatively similar kind of pace. And it's, you know, I mean, that one that's why the whole mindset stuff fascinates me so much because, you know, being great in business and careers are awesome. But, you know, if your physical health shot, if, you, if your romance life is crap, you know, if your finances and your personal wealth and stuff, you know, you haven't got to be minted. But if you're not looking at that sort of stuff, you know, and looking at your children and looking at like their financial future and looking at what you're doing in terms of like legacy and, you know, all of those kinds of things, you know, it's no good having one that's 10 if all the others are at one because it's like it's a wheel and that's a pretty, pretty lopsided. That's like a, that's like trying to go down a road in a sort of a Robin Millard with like a puncture. Yeah. Yeah. Good analogy. And, but it, it's correct, isn't it? Um, you've got to be aligned. It's like the whole package. It's yeah, trying to get the whole package aligned and, and moving forward. So there's continuity. Yeah. And it's hard because, you know, I mean, I mean, I am the I am the world's worst for going on training courses, getting an absolute bug. And I know anybody that listens to this that that knows me from a training environment will know that they have witnessed this firsthand that I absolutely get the bug for what I'm doing, and I will put a hundred and fifty percent into it because I'm either all in or I'm all out. But the thing is that it's it's trying to sort of integrate that into what you're already doing as well. And that's what can be quite challenging when you're doing like personal development and mindset and stuff. And I know I've got to, I've got to literally over Christmas sit down and rework how how our working day works because I need to massively increase the amount of fitness that I'm doing so that I can smash those six mountains out in a day next year. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> this goes on to a question that I was going to ask earlier on, and he touched on it. So I was wondering. Do you create your goals and then look for a mentor and look for ways of managing that? Or do you go to see a mentor and they open your eyes and then you think, actually, my goals have changed and then you've got to go down a different path? Which one comes first? Or, well, is it, what, or have you had both? What a great question. Um, in all honesty, I've had a number of different scenarios. Um, to put some context around that, in the last 12 months, I've rewritten my one, two, five and 10 year plan five times. Yeah, I think they adapt all the time. Not many people have the one, two, five, and ten year plans at all. I mean, I've had yeah, them for years. Do you not think? No, I've had them for years. And and speaking to some of the people that I would, I know it's in a different field of work, but speaking to them, and it is a job, and it is the military, and you're guaranteed a wage, and people just follow along. But again, it's and not all are like that. Let's <laughs> put caveat in there before I get a lot of abuse from the people that are listening. <laughs> <laughs> not a whole lot like that but yeah I, I speak to someone and, and years ago when I had right I'm going to get my degree within the next five years people are like you've got a five-year plan I went yeah it constantly adapts it's always five years there's always a one two five ten year plan and I was I was a bit shocked I don't know if you found that yeah do you know I think I think one of my biggest realizations and my biggest learnings that I've had to kind of take away and use as a way to rebalance perhaps my 
management style is that not everybody is as motivated and driven and self-starting as I am. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that is the really important thing. Just because I want to do six mountains in, in, in 24 hours next year and I want to do Killy the year after with an amazing female author who's written the best book I've read in the last five years, um, and she she's done it under a pseudonym for charity, is like, you know, that's what I want to do. That's how I choose. That's what I've chosen to, to want to do. But if you just want to sit on the sofa and eat what's it and get cheese dust all over your fingers, smashing through bottles of bud every night, and all you can think about is what, you know, what is the latest box set, that's your, that's your life choice. Crack on. I'm not going to tell you that you should, I'll see you on Kilimanjaro next year because I won't. Yeah. But by the same token, I'm not going to judge you. I probably won't want to shake hands with you because you're going to have orange dust all over your hands. But I won't judge you because that's what you've chosen. That's your prerogative. Yeah, and, and it's the way of the world. Um, some people, exactly. Some people want to do that. And that, if it's their values and their beliefs to do that and that's where they're, they're happy, then it's great. Um, I just like an action taker. That's why... Um, I, it was one of the things that I found hard is I was trying to move forward and I had people questioning it uh, and I took it quite personally but then I just I just kept on going anyway and continually mm. trying to improve myself and then you, you find yourself in different circles like the circles yeah massively, you do it massively yeah exactly and you know and the other thing to bear in mind is that you know everyone's got an opinion and you will always get people going, oh, you shouldn't do that. Or look how lucky he is. He's got all that money. Or look how lucky he is. He's got that red Rari. Well, he ain't lucky. He's got out and earned the money to pay for it. And actually, what have you done? Sat on your ass in your pyjamas all day. How does how are you even qualified to have an opinion on that person's life? You're not. None of us are. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think this is very important for this podcast because this this podcast, I wanted to, to inspire others and and let others have an insight to people that have been successful like yourself, but to understand that it's not always rosy and you've got to keep trying things. You've got to keep planning. You've got to keep adapting. But if you recognize that that's the game and that's the beast of the profession that you're in, you want to work for yourself and you're happy moving forward, then it's great. Get that understanding in within your head and then you can then start moving forward. So that's what I love. You just said is, is brilliant for everybody because they can then understand that. Hang on. Cause I, I can imagine, what myself included, people look up to you and see what you've done and think, wow, that you've done so much. And then you're open and honest and talk about things like what you have done today on the podcast and what we've chatted about in, in real life. And The thing that, is, people only experience. see and they only remember what they want to see. So I used to have people, I had people say to me, why did you go and hire a car to go to a family member's funeral? I was like, what? And somebody had harboured this belief for about a year, by the way. This wasn't just a one-off conversation. I was like, you what? And I went, well, you went and hired that swash, swanky car for, for that person's funeral. I went, I have I know I didn't. It was my company car. That's what I was given to drive. But And they were like, no, no it wasn't. So, look, it's really simple. That's the car I was given to drive. The only reason I stopped driving it was when I got T-boned and it was a write-off. And I got given a top-of-range Merc after that. So let me just be clear. I never hired a car to drive to that person's funeral. If you have an issue with me driving that car, what should I have done? Gone and like hired a, like a beaten up Vauxhall Sherpa or something to drive to a funeral? What? No. It's easy, isn't it? What you've got an issue with says more about you than it does about me. But yeah, the, exactly. other, the thing is that 
people that all people want to do is throw stones at stuff that that actually go oh look at he's got that or he's got that or she's achieved this or oh look at her wearing that power suit because she thinks she's made it well do you know what they don't see that person when they're like literally absolutely broken like an, an emotional wreck for three months because the business they poured their heart and soul into for three years has just gone bang on them they don't see the person sitting there shaking taking all sorts of medication because they can't control their nerves because they've just lost the company that they worked 40 years for and the sleepless nights up to that point yeah the, the you know, people don't, exactly people don't see all of that all of those sacrifice you know the kids birthday parties that you miss the wedding anniversaries that you miss because you had to be there to close a deal or you know the, all of those sacrifices that that people make in order to build businesses to create opportunity for other people that's what people don't see and that's why you know that's what I, the one thing that i hate about this country apart from the fact that we have perma gray sky is that we we pedestalize people only so that we can then smash them back to the ground and pulverize them into the ground again you know we should be celebrating people that want to go out and, and be entrepreneurial and create businesses and create employment for other people and create opportunity for people and create create money and create wealth not then yeah. the minute they're successful, absolutely bury them. No, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. And, and I've been speaking to, to other people, friends within the community, and they said different things about different communities. Like the Americans will want you to, to succeed. Yeah, and they go, go across to Europe and they'll champion successful. you. Yeah. And, and then you come to Britain and sometimes it's, it's quite hard that people will look down the nose at you and, and want you to fail. And I think it's the, it's the cognitive dissonance. They want... They want to feel comfortable within their own brain that they're comfortable with their own life. So they're just happy to say things like that to make themselves feel comfortable because they might not be where they want to be. So that's in the back of my mind, how I can then make myself feel better that they're doing it for this reason. Uh, which Very means, articulately put, I wouldn't have been half so articulate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, say what you feel. <laughs> feel free. There's, this I'm is famous a, for not being articulate. For, for over 18. So you can say what you want. <laughs> If you want to say they're no. fucking assholes, say they're fucking assholes. No, do you know what? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't waste my brain brain space on it. I just think, do you know what? If you've got nothing positive to say, then just uh, move on or go and have a conversation with somebody that you want to have a conversation with. Yeah, and I agree. Uh, but sometimes to caveat that, I sometimes think that it's a culture that people are in that they just follow. Uh, and not necessarily mean to be nasty, but they'll just follow it because it's the norm. It's what they've been brought up in uh, and hopefully yeah. people are listening that are on the fence and they think should I go for this oh no but they're doing well or they've been giving it on a plate well they can recognize in their own brain well actually is that cognitive dissonance is that me just make it saying this it's not true are there any facts to it let me try and find some facts on and or let me just concentrate myself to go forward do you know we see that quite a lot in the charities that I work with actually one in particular where it's about creating opportunity for people to get a taster for um, for construction and for employment. And one of the challenges that that gets expressed quite often is where there's general general <laughs> can't get more words around it. Go on, spit it out. One of the words, one of the things that comes up as quite a big challenge for the young people quite often is that there is generational unemployment and multi generational unemployment. So you'll have kids that are turning up for paid opportunity to, to improve their life and to get some employment and they'll have parents and perhaps grandparents saying why do you want to go and get a job I've never had one why do you need one 
Yeah, and it's scary to think that, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, it's that that takes, particularly when you're very young, that takes a very strong presence of mind to actually like unpack that and, and examine that thought and actually say, well, actually, is that going to serve me? Is that right? You know, it's all very well when you're nearly fifty and you've spent hundreds of thousands of pounds on coaches saying, yeah, all right, I'm I'm pretty sort of woo and I know what I know where I'm at, but trying to expect a sixteen year old kid to have the courage to go against their family can be really, really tough sometimes for those young people. And it, so it isn't always just about that the opportunities aren't there from, from an employers, from employers. Sometimes it can be that actually that there is resistance from within the family unit as well. So people saying, oh, it's right for them because I come from a broken home and he's got both his parents. But actually, if they're not a positive influence on his life, actually, or her life, that can actually be quite detrimental as well. And that's where diversity comes in because the amount of people that talk about diversity as if it just relates to colour just staggers me. Yeah, uh, and I, I totally agree with that. So it's it's all culture. Diversity is about culture and where you've been brought up and how how you've inherited certain bits. It does. It's nothing to do with colour. It's to do with the mentality and the positivity and mm. what you want to do. Oh, of course. I mean, I, I remember some of the... I mean, I, listen, I was born in Birmingham and, and I, I lived there till I was eight. And, you know, some of the things that... Some of the, some of the, the way that commands were issued in by extended family members who suggested that one might like to visit the corner shop, that's just... <laughs> wouldn't be terribly politically correct today. Yeah, and it... And but that doesn't because... mean that I think it's okay to go around using those words. I don't, because we realise that actually that isn't appropriate. And actually, not only is it not appropriate, but the world has moved on from a world 40 years ago. Yeah, totally agree. And it's at the time, it's the norm, isn't it? That's what we are talking about earlier. It's the norms. Mm. And it, it becomes second nature to hear it and listen to it. And, and, and you dismiss it, even though it is bad to say and, and hear these things. If you're not recognising it, and so it's. I think in some ways it's good the way that we're going um, right now, trying to trying to push these and and change the norms and and look at the cultures and make them in, interact together. And so I think it's amazing. I mean, I talk I talk to our children about it all the time about the stuff that they learn at school and their different experiences and you know, kids today. I mean, I would just preframe that and say that they're fifteen and twelve. Um, they don't even see color. They talk about a person as being a person. They don't say, oh, that so-and-so person or she, that girl there. They just see people and they refer to them by their name. They don't, you know, they're not worried about whether they're a boy or a girl or what, you know, what race or colour or creed they are. They're not interested. They're just, the per they see them as a person and that's a really big distinction from previous generations. Yeah, and it, uh, hopefully that's going to show that in a generation or two that there's not going to be any issues. Things yeah, will interact I think, more smoothly. I think it's, it's going to take a couple of generations. I think. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right, mate. Um, <clears throat> so let's, um, if you don't mind, can we go on to a different tax? Because I'm. This is something that I'm really interested it. in. So you've just had brain mapping. I have. And I've seen a bit uh, of what you've been posting. Are you all right to talk about this? I don't know if it's going to be in your TED talk. Yeah, no. It's, yeah, yeah it's fine. Real. Yeah. So brain mapping. Tell me about about brain mapping. This is. <sighs> I don't know, it's just science fiction. 
Um, okay, okay, let's just clear this up. So the timestamp is because people might listen to this in years to come and go, what are these prehistoric dinosaurs talking about? So yeah. it's 2020, 20, the end of 2021, and Stoney's just had his brain mapped. Now, I totally get your point that this, when we, when me and you, we're not probably not at this similar age. When we sat as little old boys watching Back to the Future, it's the kind of thing that you might have seen on there and gone, oh my God, well, he's going to die in a minute. So let's just be clear. <laughs> yes. I have I have had it and I didn't die, which is why you can now hear me talking to you. Um, yes, it involves putting a skull cap on and yes, it involves sending electricity through 20 odd points around your head, um, which doesn't hurt. You can't even feel it. Um, but what it does is it measures how your brain reacts and how how different parts of your brain work. And I've... I've when when I discovered that it was an opportunity to have it done, I was absolutely like, "What?" So I did loads of research around it. There was there were some people in the UK um, that were doing it, and there was really mixed feedback. Um, there were people that believed it was a scam. There were people that were like, "Oh no, no!" It was like almost like absolutely like beyond pedestalizing it. You know, when people like hero worship, and I was like, "I'm really on the fence with this," and it was. I spoke to a guy through a coach that I work with who has had, at the po- point when I spoke to him, he'd had two lots of brain mapping. Um, and the first one is kind of like, if there's anyone here listening who's in construction and knows about programming, I'll call it the baseline. So the first one that you do sets the baseline for where you're at. So what you then do is you go through, you go through all of those different diagrams um, look at what things are are or aren't causing issues. Um, have a have a, a discussion around some of those things, which let me just say is absolutely mind-bogglingly accurate. Um, and then from there, if there are any things that that actually you might want to think are, are probably a bit red, because um, it's done on a, like the rag system, red, amber, green, like traffic lights in the UK. If there are any reds or ambers, then you can work on those um, to get them to green. And then when you come around to the next next time to have your, your scan done again, you can see any improvement. So it's for me, that was kind of like coming back to my previous point about like hardcore accountability. You can't get much more hardcore than you can't bullshit a bullshitter and you can't blag a coach when they can wire your brain up and go, well, actually, you haven't done the work because if you had your map wouldn't be all red. So from that point of view, it massively ticked a huge box for me. Um, but it also, I wanted to learn more about my, myself emotionally. And that's a big part of what it does. So when it was an op- opportunity to do it, because the kit had to be flown in from Costa Rica, um, which obviously is not cheap and it isn't terribly good for your carbon footprint either. Oh. Um when the opportunity came to do it, I was like, I'm in there like swimwear. I, was, like, I booked it within three minutes, 12 seconds of it being launched on the, on the website. And I was like, literally, I booked it, paid for it. It's like Peter K says, booked it, packed it, and then uh, off. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was um, it was a long day because I had to fly up to Scotland to have it done. So it was like, uh, I think I was up at two o'clock. Up, meditated, shower, jogged to the station. Play, train, plane, brain mapping, 
And what was really good was I actually got to go and meet the charity that I'm doing the Six Mountains for next year um, on the same day, which was cool. Um, so I had my scan done on the day and then two weeks to the day later, I had um, like a conference with um, my coach in Scotland and the guy who interprets all the maps, Dr. James Roy. So we had a one hour session um, on Zoom to go through and unpick all of the answers. Um, and unpack some of the stuff, which was absolutely so, so accurate. It was unbelievable. And listen, I'm the world's biggest, I, I'm the world's biggest critic. I'm, one, I'm the one that sits there when my mother-in-law reads out the stars going, that could apply to anyone, that could apply to anyone, that could have, what are you on about? This is, like, I, I just, I don't believe any of that sort of stuff. I'm really big, really quite cynical and, quite a cynical person for my age really um but when i was sitting going through these brain maps um and we were looking at like the the rag map um it literally pinpointed things that have happened that and he was like i can tell that at this point something happened and it, he was accurate in three months that's crazy isn't it that's a three how your brain's telling them that of the biggest three incidents in my life. And I, and, Mystic Meg using, using science. And, it, you know, I'm sure there will be people that will be sceptical and go, well, you must have told someone. Well, let me just be clear. The three incidences that, that, he, that he identified, I've never spoken about, but I am talking about them. I have talked about them in my TED Talk. But that, wasn't published and still actually to this day isn't published because it's it's going to go out in January um so there is no physical way that either of the other two people on that call interpreting that map could have known about those events it's crazy that is unreal it's unreal that they can do this now it's, it, it, blows my mind. it honestly blows my mind it's absolutely staggering. And then I've since had a call with with someone who's had, um, I think he's had three or four maps done now. And like I've gone through with him and like looked at his map and then like he's unpacked like the work that he's done on himself. And then he showed me like the next map. But I've seen some of that evolve in real work in real life as well. To be able to see the actual benefits that people have had by implementing some of that stuff into your life. And to then also not only see the like the benefits he's had in his personal life, but in his business life, in his family life, it's like, it's, it's like talking to a different person. That's great, though. It's great to hear. So, is what's the what's the so what then for you? Are you have you got a list of things that you need to do or you want to do? Is this your choice or is it the choice of the? Is it was it? Stevie no, it's personal choice. Right? Yeah, Stevie Kids. Yeah, nice no, personal choice. You don't have to do it. No, do they but do, do they sort of direct you towards the choice or just say this is what's happened no they just say, what in terms of what booking the, brain just the results. or yeah just the results, oh, the result, no, the, so the results he will he so you talk about the results with um dr james roy who interprets it because stevie's been in that world for so long he knows what the results look like um but the results are interpreted by the doctor Fed, fed back to me and Stevie on a free, like a Zoom call. Um, Stevie doesn't really speak. Um, I have I have had a conversation with the doctor um, and then we talked about actually, right, what could we do 
to overcome some of the things that have been identified. And those things are what now form part of my plan going forward. Amazing. I'm looking forward to, to seeing what happens. I really am. Are you, are you going to do this for the rest of your life then? Yeah. Just keep going and keep adapting mm-hmm. and keep improving yourself. That's, you know, that's really good. Yeah, that's absolutely. Commitment. Yeah. That's commitment to yourself. That's really good. But I want to do- I want to document it so that I can write a book about it and also create um, a vlog about it so that I can help other people to understand and get the benefit because not everybody can afford to do it. So if other people can learn through my journey in the same way that people learn on the mastermind vicariously through other people's experience. Mm. That'd be good. Well, I'm going to, and then when I can afford it, I might, I might pop down and do it myself. I'm going to say pop down, go to Scotland. Or where do you say it come from? Chile? Costa Rica. Oh, Costa Rica. Yeah. That's where the kit came from. Yeah. That's even better. There are other people that do it, but. No, that's amazing. I'm really looking forward to the results um, and what you do with it, the so what, and and mm. seeing what happens within the next five, ten years. It's really interesting. And it's, yeah, great, it's, it's, it's great to see that you're doing it. It really is. Thank you. And uh, you, you, so it's Stevie Kidd that you've gone through to allow you to do this, isn't it? Is that correct? Yes, that's and then, right. Yeah. And then he's, um, he's one of your mentors now. Yeah, he is, yeah. Someone Has he been mentored for very a long closely. Long? Um, probably about two years now. Wow, yeah, so it's yeah. yeah, 19, yeah, tw- 20 months-ish, yeah, something like that. And I know you've recommended him to me, is it something that you'd recommend to everybody? Uh, no. No. Why is that? I wouldn't recommend him to everybody, um, because I think everybody... You know, we're all we're all unique individual human beings. Everybody's at a different point in their life, and somebody that would be a good mentor for me might not work for for you. Might not work for for Bernadette or or you know anyone else in any of the shared groups or shared spaces that we put that we congregate. You know, somebody that would mentor Pete Kemp might not want to might not mentor me. You know, it's everybody's got their own. Um, We've all got our own personality. We've all got our own journey. We all want different things from a relationship with a mentor. Um, that's not to say that he couldn't give those people some massive benefit. He probably could. But there are there are other coaches and there are other mentors out there. Um, for me, I will only work. I can only work with someone who's not only talk the talk, but they walk the walk. So that's what you look for in a mentor, is it? Somebody that's, that's yeah, absolutely, what yeah. you want to do. Yeah, fun. Yeah, absolutely. That is that's beyond crucial. That's essential. I get pitched to probably fifty times a week from coaches. Because yeah. people, I, I'm not. I make no secret about it. The fact that I coach others, I mentor others, and I'm coached because I believe in actually. If you're doing it, you need to be working on yourself. How could I coach and mentor other people if I wasn't being coached and mentor myself? And that, I think you've set yourself up really well there with all the amounts of coach and mentoring that you've had over the years, as well as your own personal journey. And you, you're trying to understand how you operate. I think you've got a lot, lot to offer. And it's um, that's another thing that I'm looking forward to seeing you do is develop into a, a phenomenal coach and mentor i mean you already are there but it's just growing growing 
that side of your business now. And I think you yeah, that's really... where I want to spend more of my time, really helping other people to set up and grow their businesses. But but not just businesses. You know, I'm I'm heavily involved in um, a charity that we're looking at doing something in the um, the CIC space in the new year. Um, I want to take on more non-exec roles um, and help and support other people's businesses um, by asking the questions that other people are afraid to ask or. Or don't um, don't understand that they need to answer. So that's kind of where I want to be sort of moving moving towards going forward because I can I can help more people doing that. Is that is that up and running now? Then is it? I know you're coaching and mentoning yeah, yeah, um, people it, yeah. already. Uh, is that mm-hmm. your direction to get more in the new year? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, that sounds like a really good plan. It's <clears> not just people; it's projects as well. You know, but I mean, I'm working with somebody at the moment. But, um, that we both know, but I won't disclose who it is for confidentiality, who's got a distress project and working with them to sort out some outcomes for them to get things back on track. And, you know, it doesn't, for me, I want to solve people's pain. And if someone's got a pain in their business because they're not asking the right questions or they're not got the right people wrapped around them, then having an NE involved can take can actually sort that out. You know, I mean... When when I launched Stone Contracts, we, we we did two things. We we worked out that we needed to kind of be totally different to everyone else. Um, so we trademarked the word house embarrassment, um, which I'm currently debating whether to actually action because Wix are using it for an advertising campaign about kitchens, which is a, a brand infringement. Oh. So I'm contemplating whether what. what whether we do anything about it or if we do what do we do um and the other one is we we were um we our strap line was we are a paracetamol for property managers because a property manager was our avatar client and actually i think i'd rather be just be the paracetamol for, for distressed people with in property because there are so many people i mean literally i'd call someone this morning about 150 grand job that's gone really badly bent the builder's like wants to walk off site, like charging ridiculous amounts for extras. I was talking to another guy who actually supports us um, with some services, um, but also works for a number of other businesses. You know, a, guy, a guy's fallen, a guy's had a really horrific accident on a job um, and has ended up paralysed from the neck down with a broken back, all because the client didn't know what they were doing health and safety-wise, and an accident that could have been avoided. You know, there's loads of people that are going into property that don't know where to start and what they should actually be doing. So if I can actually help those people to be compliant, then it keeps them safe at night and they're actually putting their head on their own pillow instead of sleeping at a majesty's pleasure. And it means that there won't be the hospitals getting clogged up with people having accidents that are totally unnecessary. Yeah, uh, you should send them the, the video that you did um, talking about JCT contracts and, and how to set up a project mm. um, that we set up what, a few months ago? Or yeah, well, okay. them, yeah. Mm. Yeah, they'll definitely be able to sort it from that. Yeah, so that's that's uh, that's the sort of stuff I want to be doing more of, really. And I mean, that was I mean that was part of the reason for doing, doing my TED talk. Really, was that one I want to I want to leave um, I want to create a fitting tribute for somebody that features in my talk, um, right or wrong. And also talk about a subject that's really, really, really important to me that's not spoken about enough. But it was also about actually creating that kind of like hardcore accountability again around actually getting over my fear of public speaking. Yeah. When When is your TED Talk out? Middle of January. Apparently. Middle of January. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 
I'll be looking for that one. When, <clears throat> how can people access that? Just for the people that are listening, never listening. Yeah, it, um, if I if I want to, um, if I sit, I'll give you my link tree. You can put in the show notes, and then it will be on my link tree when it's live. Um, it's on YouTube. It will be going on YouTube, so it'll just be a link to a YouTube channel. Yeah, definitely do that. So if anybody's interested in listening to um, the TED Talk, just look in the linked, uh, sorry, look in the um, comments and I'll make sure that the link tree's there so you can find it. Awesome. Is, is your plan to carry on doing TED Talks, um, changing it up, going around from place to place? Um, yeah, no, I'd like to do some more. I've got 10, 10 different subjects I want to talk about. Um you can only really do two TED Talks a year. Otherwise, they class you as a circuit speaker, which is not one of, definitely not a road I want to go down um, because it just sounds really cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> listen, I'll turn up at the opening of a packet of Kristen talk. If it means that I get to share positive messages around the subjects I want to talk about, then I will massively do that because I feel compelled to. Coming back to what I said earlier on, not everybody's in the luxurious position where they don't have a boss. So... If I can actually talk about stuff like the menopause, like kids that are actually abusing their parents in their relationship and other taboo subjects that don't get spoken about enough that actually in the 21st century in the modern age actually should be like, should be spoken about and shouldn't be an issue, then I feel compelled to do that so that we can help other people and not have to go through some of the trauma that people currently do. Yeah, that's nice. It's nice sentiment that you've got there, mate. Um, and I think you'll add a lot of value to everybody that listens and especially people that are listening to this. I think you, you're going to add immense value. Um, and hopefully, hopefully people will come to you for your coaching and mentoring because you, you've got a lot to offer. Um, and just to look, look at what you've done already, follow you on social media and, and then listen to your Ted talk in January. So I, I, I can work with anyone as long as they want to, as long as they're committed to putting in the effort and, and actually wanting to work on stuff and, you know, I make no bones about it. I'm not there to flounce it up and I'm not there to blow blow hot air up their ass. If they want some help, then I will happily help and support anyone. But the action rests with them to take forward. And, you know, I'm not going to waste my time trying to coach people that don't want to be coached or just doing it because it's a tick box exercise. But if somebody genuinely wants to sort of overcome a challenge or sort of move forward with their business or move forward in their personal life and overcome something they're working on or, you know, deal with, deal with something that they're struggling with, then, yeah, all day, all day long, that's what I'm here for. I think you'll find out if they're committed when you give them the first constructive criticism. Yeah, <laughs> They're either going to stay yeah. or they're going to they're gonna walk. I mean, I had it with... Mm. So Neville Wright did it to me. After I did the podcast with Neville Wright, we had another two and a half hours and we were just sat around and he said stuff to me that I hated hearing. But it's changed me. I had to... Well, I came away um, and similar to what you said, your, your head's on fire, I needed counselling. I didn't go to counselling, but should have really asked for it. But I just let it settle and then worked my own plan and worked around what I could do. Um, and in fact, I started laying those seeds on the way home from, from Neville's to, to now that I've set up a, a decent project, found a business partner, got, um, I don't know if I should say, but hundreds of thousands of pounds sat there waiting. We've made offers on things. We've got quantity surveyors, um, construction companies, structural engineers everything set up in place architect um planning consultant independent planning consultant as well one that's really renowned that's all set in place for the the ones that we've offered on and that's down to the constructive criticism that i got given from neville wright so yeah you've got to do it that way i, I believe and breakfast of champions that is 
It is. It is. It's tough. It was tough for me to hear. It really was yeah, tough it is, for me yeah. to hear. But you've got to. You've got to listen to it. You've got you've to got listen to, to it. <clears throat> you've uh, got or, to do more than that. You've got to go out and try yeah. find it. That's okay. the thing. And again, and I'll, I'll add to it as well. Yes, you've got to listen to it, but you've got to try and adapt to what they're saying. You've got to try and adapt so it fits what you want as well as listening to what they're saying should be produced or the direction you should be going. And make sure that they align first and then start building from it. And that's what I had to do. And But it was good. Yeah. Really good. I'm, got, I'm excited yeah, for next year. You've definitely got to sense check it because otherwise if you don't and you just... You just accept what someone says, parrot fashion, and then actually you you run the risk of actually not being true to you and going off message where it's just then becomes completely unauthentic. But you've got to take it for what it is. And, you know, if somebody gives you some feedback that you think, you know what, actually, yeah, that's true, that really, I can, you know, it was really hard. I, I totally get that. But as long as it fits with, with who you are and actually where you're going, then, yeah, massively. Why would you not want to be taking on feedback, you know, from people that are really... But equal, the, the most important point is he's qualified to give you feedback because he's been there and done it and not only got the T-shirt, but he's like got 10 T-shirts because the first nine are wore out. He's done been so successful. <laughs> I know. He sort of did, did it, sold his company for £70 million to Morrison. Exactly. And then now he's set up another company and he's making just as much money. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal character. But same as you, I, I put you in the same category as Neville Wright. You, you're going to be up there. <laughs> I know you laugh at it. Well, you'll be up there. But he's got he, he's, he has given me a problem. I've now got more deals than I have funding, so we're just out me and a business partner that we've got. Um, I'm not naming his name because I know he doesn't like yeah. stating it out. But yeah, um, mm. the problem is we've got more deals that we'd like to do, that we've, we've got the capacity to do, but we just need to find the... Um, find the funding but I'm on the road for that mm. um, and that is again sticking my head above the parapet and asking for more money um, which I'm not used to so that is my this is me giving myself accountability now that I'm going to be putting myself mm. out there so but if I don't we've still got two projects that we're, we're going for next year brilliant make us, make us um, good enough, good enough to, right for me to that. leave good enough to, for me to leave my, my job yeah yeah Making cool. double what I'd earn with just my share. So I'll be doubling my wage with just my share of it. Awesome, that's brilliant. 50-50. So it's good. Yeah, it's really good. So yeah, coaching and mentoring works. Go for it. Listen to them. Push yourself. Keep going. Get on that roller coaster of ups and downs. Um, and just take on board what, what's said. And uh, I know you'll I know you'll give them that. So it's I'm looking forward to seeing all the people that you coach and mentor. It'll certainly be fun. It's yeah. got to be fun. I wonder what it's going to be like for you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to brains in the future and say, is it is is it just the same for you on your side as it is for the the mentee? Oh, do you know what? I mean, I've 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 mentored and coached people for years. I mean, I was mentoring and coaching people when I was a contract manager before I was even. I think I was 27, and I was mentoring site managers. It's it is more rewarding, and I was the most cash hungry business plan driven person that you could ever meet and do you know what i still got more more reward i still got more reward from seeing other people understand the potential that they have within them than i did from making millions of pounds for for businesses that speaks volumes about your character though mate it really does that's just i don't know whether it does just the value that you add 
just how I am. It's, you know, I mean, I'll never forget. I mean, I did the biggest deal I've done, the biggest one-off deal I did was probably probably a window replacement scheme that was worth five and a half million quid that we made over two million pound profit out of. And we negotiated that in 35 minutes on a phone call. Wow. And I still got more of a buzz out of coaching and mentoring some of the, the site manager and the project manager who delivered that because one of them is now contracts director somewhere else. And one of them's got his own building company turning over 10 million quid. That's amazing. Get, get me some of that. Um, if you can. <laughs> I've got 35 minutes free tomorrow. If you, <laughs> if you're available, I don't know where we're going to do it for yet, but yeah, we'll, we'll find somewhere. <laughs> Listen, I, I can, one of the things that people love working with me is I can be flexible. I, you know, I've done, I've done adjudication meetings and court court meetings sitting on top of a scaffold. I'm not proud. I'm not, you know, I, I don't need big ball drums and swanky motors anymore to, I can have value sitting in the van. That's that's all about knowing your worth, though, isn't it? You don't need to show or put on a a show with a suit and, and so on because you you know your worth. And, exactly. And everybody you know else knows it. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind putting on a nice whistle occasionally. I hate wearing a tie, but I have to for the worshipful company. But I try not to for anything else. Um, but yeah, I, I don't mind putting a suit on occasionally. But if I'm truth be told, I'm quite happy in a in a pair of tracksuit bottoms and a t-shirt. And you know, if you've got a problem with your contract, my answer isn't any different. If I've got a suit on, than if I've got a tracksuit bottom, a pair of t-shirt, and a t-shirt. Yeah, you're still going to get the value. The facts are the facts. Yeah, you can't. I wish I wish we had more time. I really do. I really enjoy chatting to you. And um, so I've I've got two final questions that I'm going to go for. One is, what would you recommend people do for their mindset? And I know this is a big, broad subject, so you can, you can keep it quite broad. And then the other one is, what is your brightest skies? Wow. Okay. So I'll deal with them in turn. So what would, I, what would be the one thing that I would recommend people do for their mindset? And this so, could be a broad um, answer, so it could be an, an overarching umbrella to yeah, say okay. so many bits underneath, if you want. Yeah, okay. So there's two things I would say. One is get out into nature. Because getting out into nature and just going for a walk in nature is so, so powerful. If you actually just take the time to just be present. Don't do it and and do it and think you're going to smash out three 30-minute calls while you're doing your hour and a half walk because that's that's not how it works. You need to actually be present um, because by slowing down your mind and getting rid of some of the noise and chatter, that's when the really, really good stuff comes through. That's when the good ideas come through. That's when the... And, you know, these ideas don't have to be like the next like Richard Branson's business idea, it might just be an amazing birthday present for your significant other or a child in your family or, you know, but that's where the good ideas come from when your brain isn't that busy. Um, so that would be my first one. And then if you're going to do that, then the other thing that I would say, which I find so beneficial, and I actually did a 15-minute session literally just before we jumped on this podcast, I got down off the scaffold and I did a 15-minute um, meditation session through the Calm app. That is absolutely game-changing for me. To, to go to stillness and really 
like shut your eyes, close your senses off, and just slow everything down for fifteen minutes at regular. It doesn't you can no, you can do it for short periods of time, but but at regular intervals just throughout the day, not just in the morning when you wake up or just before you go to bed because you want to sleep better, but at regular intervals throughout the day. They would be my two my two biggest recommendations. I think one 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 is get outside, get in that get out in the open air because it does you amazing power of good. Um, and then and then working on your mindset through meditation. What is brighter skies for me? Wow. If I'm honest, probably living in a different country because it's <laughs> it's grey and horrible and miserable in Hackney where I am today. Um, brighter skies for me, if I'm honest, would be achieving the third set of tens I've got on my wheel of life. So currently I've got, my wheel of life has got my 10-year plan on it. I've got one, two, five, and 10-year plans on there. Um, once I once I achieve, so when I get to my end of my year, one plan, it goes back to zero, and I'm not satisfied with anything again, and I have to work back out to the outer circle. Um, my my brightest skies is to to carry on working on that, to, to ultimately have like 10 in every single segment of my wheel all, all the time, every day. Great answer. That's a really great answer, and it's something that I need to work on as well. That should be one of my brightest cards. That's amazing, mate. It's, yeah, sorry, go on. It's really hard. It's not easy. You know, I'll make no bones about it. It's not easy, but it starts with taking... It's, it all starts with knowing who you are, the questions you ask yourself, and understanding the importance of self-care. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't care for anyone else. Totally agree. And I think that's a great thing to finish on. Um, I'd really, like I said, I wish we had more time. I could chat to you all day. Uh, I can't believe we've just, <laughs> I it's... can't believe we've just spoke for an hour and a half. It doesn't really doesn't feel like it at all. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, and I'm just appreciative of your time. Um, I know the audience will get a lot from this. And I think you've got a lot more to offer. So if anybody's interested, please contact Rich. But Rich, thank you very much. It, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me and spending the time chatting. It's been a fascinating conversation. Well, I hope so. I hope so. And uh, we'll discuss that 35-minute call um, where we're going to make £2 million. <laughs> we'll do that offline yeah. so people can punch it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank you, mate. Bye. Cheers, mate. Thank you for listening to the Brighter Skies podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To find out more about the work that Gary does, please visit his website, brighterskiesproperties.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave a rating and review on the platform where you heard it. Thanks for listening and see you next time.